The ministry of Peter is an amazing one who goes from a fisherman to a fisher of men. Find out more on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome everyone to Inverse, a special episode on the ministry of Peter. Every episode is a special one here Amen. at the studio. And uh, we're going to make it even more special by inviting the Holy Spirit. Kelly, can you please, please pray for us? <laughs> yes, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you for the examples of the lives of those who've gone before us. We pray that you guide us by your Holy Spirit, and may we leave this time understanding more and loving Christ more. We pray all this in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Kelly. Let's look at uh, specifically chapters 9 and 10. And uh, we've looked at different characters throughout the, the book of Acts. And we've looked at, last week, the conversion of Paul. And uh, Israel, can you read chapter 10, verse 34 and 35 for sure. us? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Mm. This is in the midst of Peter's encounter with Cornelius and his family. See, what's going on here? What is the story about? And will help us pick up and get into the actual text. Right. Um, in chapter 1, when Jesus promised the, the Holy Spirit would come, he told him that there would be witnesses first in Jerusalem, mm. in Judea, in Samaria. And, and so the spread of the gospel it goes out in concentric circles. And here we're seeing the gospel going out even further. Mm -hmm. um, we saw with the conversion of Paul that he was specifically going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Like God ordained him to be an apostle who was going to go and preach the gospel beyond the borders of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And here we see Peter, who was one of the, the first disciples to follow Jesus is now being commissioned with this very important task of going outside his comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And in chapter 10, we have the story of the experience of Peter wrestling with this in his own experience with now ministering to people who are outside of what he was comfortable with initially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kelly, can you read from verse 9 through, through 13 there and just kind of read the, the vision. It's kind of the main part of that chapter story. 10. Yeah, chapter 10 of Acts. Yep. Mm -hmm. 9 through 13. Yeah. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And see 14 and 15 and 16. But Peter <laughs> said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I went to a non-denominational Christian organization powwow revival retreat kind of weekend thing. And they were quoting this passage saying that the New Testament has opened up a new covenant. And because of this new covenant, we can eat everything underneath the sun. And this is justification for 
for uh, the ending of the dietary laws in the Old Testament. And so for lunch that, that day, we had all sorts of animals that was traumatic to my <laughs> spiritual experience. Oh, no. So Israel, can you give us a proper exposition of this passage now? It is true, there are animals being eaten here, but that's not really the point of... Anyway, we'll talk about yeah. that passage. The answer is found in the next verse, verse 17. Now, yes. while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had mm. seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made inquiry to Simon's house, and he stood before, and they stood before the gate. Mm. So you have this crazy vision, and I'm sure that Peter was probably like in your situation, wondering what in the world <laughs> is happening. And as he's pondering these things, something happens. Uh, people that had been sent prior to uh, Peter's vision have finally arrived to his house. So in order to give a little bit more context there, let's you got to go to uh, chapter 10 in the beginning of the, of, the, mm -hmm. of the chapter. So it starts off with people at the house of this gentleman named Cor Cornelius, who is a Roman soldier. Yes. They're there, they're worshiping God, and at the very same time, they're trying to grow in their Christian faith. Mm -hmm. As they're trying to do this, someone comes to Cornelius and says, hey, go and find Peter, and Peter will teach you uh, what you need to know in your Christian walk. Mm -hmm. So Cornelius obeys, right? He obeys. He sends people to go find Peter. So at the very time that Peter's having his vision of what is of, of these unclean, creeping things or whatever, <laughs> someone is making their way to his house. And so it's like God is timing these events. These are two conversion events yeah. coming towards Perfectly, each other right. uh, in, in, in perfect synchrony. Yeah. Yes. And so finally, when Peter has the question... What does this all mean? Boom, boom, boom. Someone's knocking at the door. Hey, you have now the introduction of these people who, in the mind of Peter, are common or unclean, not animals, but common, unclean individuals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Romans, not Jews. You have um, this, this, this de delineation between common and, and unclean. Yes. Um, that there were, there were those creatures that were considered unclean, and then whatever came in, in contact with them would be considered common. So right? this is according to according Leviticus to 11, Leviticus chapter 14. 11. Right. This is like pigs and shrimp and cockroaches and, and, and camels. camels. Right, yes. and then not just, not just that it was unclean, <laughs> but if you, you're not even supposed to touch the carcass of an animal that died yes. on its own, right? Yes. Because then you would be considered unclean, yeah. but ceremonially unclean, not because you're intrinsically unclean. And so he's like, even if there was a cow on that, sheet. I'm not going to even touch the cow because the cow has been touching a pig, uh -huh. you know, so like it's, it's in the category of stuff that I'm not going to mess with, uh -huh. right? So, um, but God says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Mm -hmm. Like God is not cleansing the stuff that's unclean. This, mm -hmm. you, if you were ceremonially unclean and you are now common, you could be, go through a cleansing ceremony, which is delineated in the Old Testament, and you'd be now considered clean. And mm -hmm. he said, if God has cleansed it, don't be calling it common so that you can't you you need to respect the the way that god has cleansed things or the way that god sees things not mm -hmm. just the way that you view things to be mm -hmm. now this is kind of kind of interesting why does god use a vision to and we're, we're going to talk about the interpretation of this a little bit but why why a vision you know this seems almost seems like an inconsequential point god can just say peter Go talk to Cornelius. What's the big deal? I Instead of there's this huge vision going on, and which, which, what is that indicative of, Kelly? Well, I believe one reason is because God is trying to give them a dawning understanding. Um, because Jesus has already shown by his life that he's here to, to save Gentiles too. Mm -hmm. He said it, he showed it, but they're still, still not getting it. Right. So, like, okay, I'm going to send a vision. And then, you know, verse 17, as we already read, like, Peter's like, hmm, I wonder what this means. Yes. And then it unfolds in his experience. Mm -hmm. And so then Peter can reflect back on the vision, like, whoa, God 
gave me this vision. Now I understand it. And now it's been confirmed by my experience and by the Holy Spirit. So I think because it is such a shift in understanding Mm -hmm. and because it's such an important shift Mm -hmm. that God sees the need to tell him through like four different means. So he really gets it. Mm -hmm. Right. And And, yeah. And and you see even, you see even later, I I mean, just to, to, to pick up on stuff that happens later in the ministry of Peter, Peter continues to struggle with this concept, yes, right? So, so this was... This was Deeply embedded. Si- in yeah, him. yeah, this was a seismic shift for yes. him, right? And so, so God, like Kelly was saying, God u- is using what all the methods possible, like a vision, you know, <laughs> not just, a, you know, he, he sends an angel to speak with Cornelius. Like he's, he's using whatever methods that he can to help Peter through this transition, through this shift that he needs which for me is an encouragement because there may be things that are so deeply rooted culturally for me that are difficult for me to shift once I come into a relationship with God. Mm. But he's patient in working with us to, to, to change the way that we view the world mm-hmm. even, to say, no, this is not how it's meant to be. It's actually supposed to be this way. And he works with us through various methods until we get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so much rich story in this. Um, one, one of the things that kind of, pops up is in verse 34 and 35 of Acts chapter 10 Mm -hmm. is that I don't think Peter fully understands the vision and what is taking place until after he visits Cornelius's house. Mm -hmm. And so he sees the vision, but he still, and then the people come to his house and he still doesn't understand. And then he meets with the people and then he sees, uh, you know, how devout they are. And then things kind of begin to to line up. The richness of the story is uh, what Sequel already said, the fact that God works with us where we're at. Mm. I mean, by today's standards, we would consider Peter a racist, right? And and so you you look at the fact that God is using Peter, who has a limited understanding of the the reach of God's grace, who has a limited understanding of the value of people uh, and of nationalities. He, He has a limited, he's culturally... Uh, challenged and bound to his mm-hmm. local context. So you have how God inter- interacts with him. But another beautiful component is a component of Cornelius. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've often put myself in Cornelius's place. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I would have been like, you know, Cornelius is, he's, he's a Roman ruler. He's in charge. He's a, he's a big, Tough he's guy. an important guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would have been thinking to myself, this guy's a fisherman, uneducated. <laughs> All of a sudden he thinks he's better than me. I'm not going to hear anything that this guy has to say. Mm-hmm. And yet you see the grace of God in Cornelius' life that he's willing to accept truth uh, and teaching from someone who is actually racist against him. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And so you, you see just the beauty of grace, even though, and, that, and that's what I love about the book of Acts, that it is so charged with the supernatural power of God, while at the same time, exposes the human condition in every part of its aspects, and it shows the play and counterplay between the two. You know, um, uh, speaking about a racist coming and preaching a gospel to you, you know, I'm, I'm from Zimbabwe, and there's a lot of pushback in, you know, in, in the African ethos against, you know, these colonizers came, you know, with their Christianity, and, you know, they're preaching the gospel at the same time, they're taking people captive and, you know, taking advantage of their natural resources, etc. And there's a temptation or there's, there's a group of people who would say, we reject all of it. We reject the colonizers and the colonizers' religion, right? So it's fascinating here that um, Cornelius being willing to hear the gospel, to hear truth, even if it comes from the lips of someone who... A broken vessel. Yeah, a, a broken vessel, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm not going to reject truth just because it came out of the lips of a donkey, you know, mm -hmm. or it came out of the lips of someone who's racist, someone who is, was, was socially bred to dislike my people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to accept truth because I, I'm going to accept God, whatever avenue that he comes to me through, because God wants to reach us that much. Yeah, we're yeah. seeing in the book of Acts, we have, well, last week we looked at a murderer, and this week we're looking at a racist, and if God can use a racist and a murderer, there's a lot of hope for me, yeah? <laughs> Amen. Come back after the break, talk more about these points. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We're looking at the topic of racism found in the book of Acts. And Siku, I'm going to get back to you here. I mean, we're talking about Peter. He was a racist. We've established that. And here the Lord is using this incredible medium of a vision and this, this, this ecosystem of heaven and vision to, to convince his thinking. Yeah. Is, is it, I mean, what happens to Peter? Is it okay to remain a racist? I'm being tongue-in-cheek, obviously not, but like what, what happens in, in Peter's story? I mean, Peter, Peter does not remain there. He, mm. he allows this experience to change him. He allows it for God to reach him. And, and even though he continues to struggle with this because it's so ingrained, and I just want to point out for Peter, it wasn't just, um, you know, we're a superior race. Like this had, it had self, salvific ramifications. You know, this was, this was not just to do with, you know, because of the skin, the color of my skin, this was God ordained us as a chosen people, you know, so it was, it was a very deeply ingrained, you know, for centuries mm -hmm. idea that he had. But Peter, when, when he has to go to Cornelius, he actually goes to Cornelius' home and he ministers to them and he has the opportunity to see God sending the Holy Spirit. The same way that they had experienced at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they, they spoke in diverse languages, in diverse tongues. He gets to see that happening to these people as well. And even if he still had questions in his mind, it must have been like, whoa, if God will send the Holy Spirit in the same way that he sent the Holy Spirit to us, he's sending it to these people, to these mm -hmm. Gentiles, then God is willing to work with them in the same way that he's willing to work with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's referring to Acts chapter 10, verses 44 onward. 44. Uh, so Peter comes, he speaks to Cornelius, he opens up the Bible or the scriptures to them. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Mm -hmm. And so... What's significant about this passage is you wonder why do they need the gift of tongues in this, in this context? I mean, are there a bunch of different nationalities that can't understand the language? I've often asked myself, why does the, the, the spirit fall in this way? Um, and I think that it's because God is trying to show the group there, hey, God is no respecter of persons. Mm -hmm. The same exact manifestation of the Holy Spirit that you had in speaking in tongues, which perhaps seems to be like the greatest manifestation of the Spirit of God being poured out, is equally poured out upon this group of Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if we can say that Peter was a racist. I think we can say, in my mind, uncomfortable saying that Peter is unaware of certain 
um, you know, character flaws that he's got, just like we all are. But Peter responds to what God is asking him to do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, just like in your life and in my life, there are so many different things that we're not aware of of ourselves. And yet the beauty of the gospel is that God uses us. Now, in this situation, Peter's very quick to respond. He's quick to obey, just like Cornelius is quick to respond and mm. quick to obey. And I think that those are the things that we should really focus on. These individuals are quick to respond and obey because their relationship, their connection is not based on human interactions, mm -hmm. but it's based on their connection with God and with Christ. Mm. Maybe we can put another layer on top of this. I think we, not maybe not looking at Peter as a racist, but from the background of where the Jews are from, you see all throughout the Old Testament that the Israelites, they had this kind of, they're always battling these two extremes. Mm -hmm. One, they're so in, 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 encapsulated in the cultures of the world that they're constantly falling and constantly falling after the world. Mm -hmm. So that by the time of Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes around and says, look, you got to stop hanging out with these dudes because you're always following, going to their parties, you're hanging out with their dudes, mm -hmm. hanging out with their women, and so you got to stop. So then they go to this other extreme, and by the time of Jesus, they've become so isolationist mm -hmm. that they end all social contact <laughs> with anyone who's not of their elk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just remember that, you know, and as as a as a undergrad at university, I I had these extremes where I would go, and and without divulging too much information, and and and, and go over here, and then I would come <laughs> over here, and then I would feel like, man, in order to protect, and and I couldn't trust myself, I would just lock myself in my dorm, mm -hmm. and just not talk to anyone, and it mm -hmm. could be that that. What the, or there is the layer of racism, but there's also an isolationist motif going on here. Mm -hmm. And he opens up, uh, the Lord is opening up Peter, saying, hey, I'm going to give you the gift of tongues. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you this so that you go out into the world, mm -hmm. not that you can, you can become like the world, but that the world is changed as a result. And Peter so understood, can, Peter understood uh, what God was trying to, what he was trying to drop. Mm -hmm. Like he picked it up in verse 28 um, of Acts 10. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Mm. So he, what, what was revealed in the vision, he got it. He's mm. like, you know, that vision wasn't about, oh, now go and eat, whatever. Right. That vision was about God was trying to tell me something and I get it. I'm not supposed to call you common or unclean. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love that Peter even took it a step further um, in chapter 11. Okay. So he doesn't just keep it to himself, like, had this great experience with Gentiles, praise God, but this is kind of uncomfortable, I'm just going to leave it there. Mm -hmm. But then the apostles and brethren, verse 1, come to him and start blasting him, like, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, you terrible Jew. <laughs> and so then Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. And I love that he's not defensive. He's like, leave me alone. But he's like, okay, I know how it took me time to understand this, so I'm going to break it down for you guys too. Mm. I had this vision. These guys came. <laughs> there was Cornelius. <laughs> and so he breaks it down step by step so he doesn't overwhelm them because I think Peter knows that if God had given a vision, a vision that just said, you need to minister to the Gentiles, that would he would have been like, what does this mean? <laughs> this is too overwhelming. Yeah. But just as God God yeah. gave it to him step by step. He gave it back to them. Mm -hmm. And he concludes in verses 17 and 18, it says, if, of chapter 11, 
If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Mm. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And mm. verse 18 almost makes me laugh because like obviously mm. yeah. that's a basic tenet of the Bible. But to them it's like, whoa. God saves Gentiles too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just that God was willing, again, to use them and to bring them through this process to bring more people into his fold. It's beautiful. There's a certain opening that happens here, a certain mm-hmm. flexibility, a creativity, or opening of possibilities here that the previous culture, the previous way of life prevented Peter thinking that way. Yeah. And the question is, do we have that today? Openness to change. Do we have that... Do we have racism or isolation? Do we have Peterism today? And where are the visions today? Where are the the messages that God's trying to open us up on? Peterism is human is humanism. You know? <laughs> <laughs> humanness. 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 Uh, that's what Peter. Not the philosopher. Yeah. Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. Humanism. Don't be confused. Yeah. But just human. Humanness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. That's, I mean, that's simply what yeah, it is. Amen. You're right. You know, yeah. and and we all have it. So you have, and it's funny because like. I, and I don't know. I don't know if this is the reason, but you have Peter. He goes to Cornelius's house, but he brings people with him. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And then it's like when he presents his case before the brethren, it's like, and by the way, these six guys they came with me too. <laughs> Going and, out together. And and so it's like they saw everything, and so he's kind of you know protecting. I don't know if he's protecting himself, but or just making a stronger case. But you have that element there, and of course we have we have elements of humanity that express themselves over and over and over again in everything that we do. Even when we are doing the work of God, there's this humanness that comes up and we try to protect ourselves or, you know, I don't want to talk about this issue because, you know, politically it might not be right. Or Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about this issue because it's political and the Bible is political. And so humanness is always creeping in in everything that we do. The beauty of the story is that God says, I'll take your humanness. I'll take you as you are. If you focus on me, I will change you. Mm-hmm. Little by little, I will change you into my image to erase completely your humanness, the ugliness of your humanness, mm-hmm. and make you more and more like the Savior. Speaking about the challenge that we have that's like Peter, there may be people that we're uncomfortable speaking with. Mm. Remember when I was going door to door, there were neighborhoods that I felt very uncomfortable knocking door to on. Door, door to door and I was ministry. selling ministry. Christian books. Okay, literature right? ministry. Okay. Yeah, doing literature ministry, selling Christian books. Mm. There were certain neighborhoods that I was uncomfortable selling books in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I can't go to a poor person's house and make them buy a $20 book. You know? <laughs> like, and, and, and our leaders would be like, you know, the gospel is powerful and it's worth it. You know, if they feel like it's worth it, they'll be willing to put the money. But for me, it was uncomfortable, right? Um, and it taught me that experience going door to door with Christian books, taught me that there are certain classes of people that I am more comfortable with and others that I'm not as comfortable with. Um, And we don't have to go door-to-door with Christian books to know that about ourselves. But God says, you know, the gospel is for everyone. It's for that person on the street who doesn't have a place to live. It's for the person who is mentally challenged. It's for the person who is physically challenged, Mm -hmm. who is physically disabled. The gospel is for all of these different groups of people, the people that you feel uncomfortable with. And the beauty of it is that God can give us the ability to reach those people, not because of just who we are, but it's the fact that God was working with Cornelius, mm-hmm. right? And so God is now connecting the dots. He's like, I'm working with you and I'm working with this person 
and you're going to come together so that my work can mm-hmm. be done. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say the last, the <laughs> last comment on this. Um, in, in chapter 11, verse 16, uh, going back to like Peter's words, actually from verse 15, he says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Mm-hmm. The key element that I see in terms of how we can overcome the challenges that we have to reach out to people that are different from us, the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled them to go out beyond their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of those people, the Holy Spirit working in my life, and, and being attuned to the working of the Holy Spirit that permits for this intercultural, intersituational <laughs> interaction to come up. Mm-hmm. The power of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time that I was preaching at a church, and there was, I, was, I just felt convicted to preach on Psalms 23. You all know Psalms 23? Mm-hmm. It's about the shepherd, and it's just still a, waters. It's a, it's a, what's that? I said still waters. Still, still, waters. still waters. Yeah, the still waters is mentioned <laughs> Thank in, you. in Psalms 23. <laughs> and I went to this church, and there was this particular man there. He looked a bit cantankerous, and when I came up on the pulpit, he saw me, and he was, he was about to walk out. Right, so I'm like, all right, never. That's I've had that happen to me before, but that's Mm -hmm. this is so blatantly in a small church. And when I said that I was mentioning that I was going to preach on Psalms 23, he actually turned around and stopped and sat down. Mm -hmm. He listened to the whole message afterwards. We are shaking hands. He came up and he just said, you know, with I'll I'll, I'll flavor the words in a nicer way, because I don't like Asians very much. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's thank you, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Didn't know what how to react. (laughs) He said, but when I heard that you were preaching on Psalms 23, I had Mm -hmm. to stop. He was part of a war in some part of Asia, and he thought that I was of that same because all Asians look the same, you know, quote unquote. And but he had he had a special place for Psalms 23 in his heart. It helped him survive Mm -hmm. that those battles and that Mm -hmm. trauma. And that whole narrative, we talk about the shepherd and the sheep, and, and you know the message because we, we preach a, a similar message because I, I took the message from him. And, uh, and, and, and he, he was so impacted. And he was like, you know, when I saw you by, by your face, I totally wrote you off. Mm-hmm. But it was the Spirit of God that led me here, and it, mm-hmm. it, it kept, kept me here. And thank Praise you so God. much for your ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, and I totally wrote him off as the one who walked out. He's just an older man and da-da-da-da-da-da, general whatever. But I was impressed to talk about Psalms 23. We are part of a, a ecosystem where the Holy Spirit is working from different parts and different people in different times. And we are called to be quick to respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings. And like Peter, we can be these uneducated fishermen who are just racist or isolation or whatever. But under the power of God, we can do wonderful worship and see wonderful miracles as the conversion of Cornelius' story. That's my prayer. That's my prayer of my panelists. Hopefully that's your prayer. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.